John chapter 15, we'll begin reading in verse 1 and we'll read to verse 17. John chapter 15 and beginning in verse 1. Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean. Because of the word that I have spoken to you, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends, if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. So that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. Amen. Do make sure that your Bibles are open at John chapter 15. I said this morning that. Since this is my first Sunday of the new year with you, I have two special messages for us. And by special, I mean they're not tethered to a series that we're working through at the moment. We looked at John chapter 15, verses 1 to 8 this morning. And the message was, abide in Jesus. And we're looking tonight at John 15, verses 
9 to 17, the point being abide in Jesus' love. Abide in Jesus' love. Now, when you were first converted, abiding in Jesus' love felt like the most natural experience of your life. If someone approached you and and commanded you to abide in Jesus' love, that would have sounded like the command to eat warm chocolate fudge cake with ice cream on the side or drink a pint of cold water on a summer's day. No problem. I remember weeks after I became a Christian, I was at a Bible study where one of the girls was, was sharing how she was finding it so hard to feel Jesus' love for her. And only a couple of weeks before, I had had my heart flooded, my brain rewired, my life changed by the love of Jesus Christ. And so I remember consciously thinking to myself, well, I am so glad I'll never be able to relate to that. And we laugh, don't we? Because we live in the real world. And in the real world, abiding in Jesus' love can sometimes be hard. We have to war against the the world, the flesh, and the devil, and his fiery darts, and dangers, and toils, and snares, and temptations, and enemies, and discouragements, and distractions, and worries, and fears. All of which, if we're not careful, unplug us from the experience of abiding in Jesus' love. You've been there, haven't you? And that's where the 11 disciples were when we get to John chapter 15. You remember Jesus was just moments away from being betrayed, hours away from his arrest and his sham trial and then his death at the cross of Calvary. The shepherd would soon be struck and the sheep would be scattered. And Jesus had told his disciples, where I am going, you cannot follow. And so they were about to feel their feet slipping into an abyss of hopelessness without Jesus by their side. And so Jesus says, ahead of time, Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, Matthew, Thomas, James, Bartholomew, Thordas, Simon, abide in my love. Remain in my love. Be established in my love. Don't forget it. Don't doubt it. Don't second guess it. Experience it. Remain in it. Abide in it the way a branch abides in the vine. Look at verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. That has to be the most astonishing verse in the Gospel of John. We well understand why God the Father would love God the Son. No mystery there. But we do not well understand how God the Son could love God's enemies. And call them in this very passage, friends. That's a mystery. That's a mystery. So listen, if you need a bit of help in knowing Jesus' love for you tonight. My aim is simply to help you. My aim is to help you by opening this passage 
for you. We're going to be hanging this sermon on two simple questions. The first is this, how can we abide in Jesus' love? How can we abide in Jesus' love? Look at verse 10 of John chapter 15. Jesus says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. How can we abide in Jesus' love? By keeping his commandments. Now let's be honest about it. That is not the answer that we would have given, is it? But it is the right answer. If we want to abide in Jesus' love, we are to keep his commandments. It's not that Jesus doesn't love us when we sin. It's not that Jesus loves us less when we sin. But it is that sin turns our hearts away from the experience of Jesus' love for us. And therefore, obeying him keeps us near to the experience of it. You know this to be true, don't you? That very often when we're walking through hardships, there's this temptation to find a solace in sin. Overeating, overdrinking, oversleeping, self-medicating, or whatever it is for you. I was once asked in an interview, Hugh, what is the hardest pastoral situation you have ever been involved in? And obviously, I won't give any of the details away here. But the point was that the person involved was so vulnerable but because, it, because he was so heartbroken. Heartbreak tempts us to find comfort and solace in sin. And the disciples were about to be heartbroken. And so Jesus says to them, listen, don't run to the quick fixes of sin. But instead, abide in my love by obeying me. Sin will blind you to the vision of my love for you. Sin will harden your heart to the experience of my love for you. Sin will dull your senses to the experience of my love for you. And so if you want to know it, and if you want to feel it, and if you want to abide in it, then obey me. Again, his his love is steadfast when we're wavering, we read it earlier on, it it is never failing. It isn't failing when we are failing. But again, sin distances us from the warmth of the fire of his love. And the result is our hearts feeling cold and barren and numb. So what commandments are we to obey? Well, Jesus has one at the forefront of his mind here, doesn't he? Obviously, we're to obey them all, but look at verse 12. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. And then drop your eye down to verse 17. Jesus says, these things I command you so that you will love one another. I have loved you, Jesus says, with, with an unparalleled love. I'm about to lay down my life for you. Now you love as I have loved you. And when you do, you will know my love for you. That is the commandment you are to obey. You know, I experienced something of this in my own life recently. It was almost like a a turning point in 
my ministry. I, I regret to inform you all that I don't have the mind of a genius. And, and what that means is that sermon preparation for me is really hard work. I can't read the passage on Saturday night as someone did and just write down a few words on a postcard and then just show up at church the next day. I can't really do that. And so typically at the end of the process, I've wrung out every ounce of mental strength and my brain is just feeling empty and my soul is feeling empty. And the way that I top up myself is by reading. But I had some pastoral visits on the calendar to do. And so as I went to visit you and as I loved you, I felt myself being loved by Christ. That as I sought to encourage you, I felt myself being encouraged. And as I sought to build you up, I felt myself being built up. I thought I needed to read about it, but what I really needed to do was show it to you. And when I did show it to you, it began to boomerang back to me. And the point is, the more that we run from opportunities to love others, then the less loved we'll feel by Jesus. And the more we run to opportunities to love others, just as Jesus commanded us, the more loved we will feel. And so if you know your Bible at all, why not try visiting someone in the next couple of weeks and just see what that does to your soul? They won't mind that you're not their pastor. They'll just be glad to see someone there to encourage them. And despite the brokenness of your home, despite the grind of the nine to five, despite those feelings of being used and taken advantage by the very people whom you are supposed to be closest with, love them the way Jesus has loved you. And you just watch what that obedience does to your soul. It will make the love of Jesus feel all the more real to you. And that's what we need as believers, isn't it? So how can we abide in Jesus' love? Well, we can abide by keeping his commandments. But there's a second question, and it's this. What is life like when we abide in Jesus' love? What is life like when we abide in Jesus' love? Well, first of all, it is privileged. It's a privileged life. Look at verse 14 and 15. Jesus says, you are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. What's life like when we abide in Jesus' love? Well, it's privileged. It is a privileged life. Many moons ago, when I was in the same role that Michael's in now, I was part-time at a church, and then I had to work part-time as well. And I was working um, at an Apple computer store. That might sound cool to some of you, but it was back when the iPhone 4S was all the rage. So make what you will of that. And, and sometimes as, as rumors began to circulate about a new product, people would come in and they would say, hey, when's the new iPhone or the new iPad or the new MacBook Pro coming out or whatever? And we would say, we don't know. And we were telling the truth. We didn't know what would happen is really late one night, we would just get a massive shipment and it would be the new product and we would stock it that night for sale the very next day. Why? Because none of us were anywhere near any of the guys at the top of the company. 
We didn't know Steve Jobs. We didn't know Tim Cook. And they didn't know us because we were just nobodies. We were right at the bottom of the company. But Jesus is saying here, I view you more as more than servants. I call you my friends. So that all that I've heard from my Father, I've made it known to you. No secrets, no hidden agenda, only a full disclosure of the truth. Because I value you, and I love you, and I have included you. You remember Jesus prayed in John chapter 17, I have given them, the disciples, the words that you, the Father, gave me, and they have received them, and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. And remember earlier, Jesus had said this, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it has not been given. And then later Jesus said, blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see and did not see it. And to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Think about that. A fisherman, a a tax collector, a zealot and so on. Seeing and hearing what Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Jeremiah, Isaiah, David and the prophets never saw and never heard. How? Because these fishermen and that tax collector and that that zealot was a friend of Christ. And so if you're here tonight and you have truly turned from your sin and trusted in Jesus personally, Jesus says to you, friend, I will spread a table before you in the wilderness and in the very presence of your enemies and you can sit down there and, and I will sit down with you together. And my friendship with you will meet every need that you have. It will heal the deepest wound in your life. It will lift your head whenever your head is bowed down. With me as your friend, I will give you power when you are faint. I will give you strength when you have no might in yourself. Yes, even youths fail and are weary and young men shall shall fall exhausted. But you wait for me and I will renew your strength. You will mount up with wings like eagles. You will run and not be weary. Walk and not be faint. Fear not for I have redeemed you I have called you by name and you are mine and when you pass through the waters I will be with you and through the rivers they shall not overwhelm you when you walk through the fire you shall not be burned and the flame shall not consume you because you are precious in my eyes and honored and I love you you are my friend you are my friend what a friend we have in Jesus All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. And again, that privilege, that privileged life is ours because the secrets of the kingdom of God have been revealed to us. The secrets of the kingdom have been revealed to us. I remember hearing Richard Buse, the late Richard Buse, a number of years ago preach in, in London. And Richard Buse loved tennis. Every pastor needs a hobby. I don't have one, by the way. And, and, and um, tennis was his hobby. And he got to know someone who was really high up in, in Wimbledon. And one day this man called Richard Buse and said, listen, would you like a, a personal tour around Wimbledon and he said yes and they were walking together and he said we were able to stand right at the center of center court itself 
How? Because he knew a man. He knew a man and was able to stand in the very center of center court itself. And because we know the God-man, we have the privilege of standing right in the center of the kingdom of God where all of the secrets and where all of the no-access signs have been taken down for us because we're friends of the king. It was the weirdest thing on New Year's Eve to sit in a church service and have nothing to do at all. And I was so challenged by the pastor because through tears, tears in his eyes, he said to the church, it is no small thing to be a Christian. And that really challenged me because I thought, do I live with that sense of being privileged? Or does being a Christian just feel like part and parcel of the daily routine? The more you get to know the God-man of John chapter 15, the more privileged you will feel. And so let me say to this, let's say this to you all today, make it your ambition this year and every year to know Christ and the power of his resurrection, even if it means sharing in his sufferings and becoming like him in his death, it will be worth it because you are in the best of company. And the more acquainted you are with him, the more privileged you'll know yourself to be. But then there's more, isn't there? What is life like when we abide in Jesus' love? Well, it's privileged, but it, then it's also fruitful. It's, look at verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. That's why Jesus chose us. That's why Jesus predestined us before the foundation of the world for us to bear fruit. For us, this, as we were thinking this morning, to bear the fruit of worship and sacrificial love, a holy life, making disciples. And if we're not seeing those things to the extent that we long to see them in our lives, the really good news for us all tonight is that we don't have to attend a seminar. We don't need to get a master's degree. We don't have to learn some kind of spiritual technique. We only need to abide in Jesus' love for us. And so if you're here tonight and you're not yet a Christian, do let me say there is so much available to you in becoming a Christian. It's the difference between a barren life and a fruitful life. Empty or full, established or blown away, dead or alive. And therefore, why not come to abide in the vine tonight and have all that is in him flow into you. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge in your soul. But if you are here tonight and you are a Christian, but you feel like your heart is broken, the good news is this, Jesus re-invites you to abide in him. No greater invitation was ever made than this, abide in my love. It's not like Jesus is trying to push you away. It's not like Jesus is hiding and walking away from Jesus is standing with open arms inviting you, abide in me, come, abide in my love for you. 
And he doesn't view you as damaged goods. He doesn't view you as someone who's far too weak for a relationship with you because he said in his word, a bruised reed I will not break. And a faintly burning wick I will not quench. I will faithfully bring forth justice. But maybe life is good for you tonight. And there is no sense of desperation, no fear, no panic, no anxiety, nothing that's driving you to Christ. And I would just say, good for you. But I would also say this, learn to abide in the love of Jesus today because you will need it for tomorrow. No one gets through this life unscathed. To a lesser or a greater extent, we all suffer. And the love of Christ alone is sufficient to get us through. And so whether life is good for you tonight or not, the message is exactly the same. Abide in the love of Christ. And may that be our ambition for 2023. And may that be our ambition for 2024. And for every year until Christ returns.